A word, a grammar choice, can make all the difference. For example, when discussing entrenched, contentious conflicts, people tend to get tense. But research suggests that nouns can reduce tension and convey more support for peacemaking action than verbs. Perhaps President Donald Trump and Chairman Kim Jong Un should take note. Let's bring in Dr. Orly Idan, psychological scientist and senior researcher at the Interdisciplinary Center Herzliya in Israel, for further discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very pleased to do so. Thank you. Fascinating research, by the way. What, what prompted you to do it, though? Well,、uh, as a psycholinguist studying the relationship between language and thought. I have thought for years that language, obviously, if it has an impact on our perceptions and perhaps also on our emotions, then why not have that impact in the context of intractable conflicts?、Uh, basically, what psycholinguistic is saying, or one of the theories, is that the language influences and has an impact on our perceptions, on our inner reality, on our outside reality, and it goes back even to Sapir Whorf, sixty, seventy years ago, who believed that language actually carves our reality, determines our reality. That without it, we basically wouldn't be able to think the way we do, and we use words obviously in order to think and. Those words influence our perceptions, so our reality is made up of the words that we use. They actually believe that、um, people that speak different languages—I'm saying it—it may sound a bit extreme—but think differently or perceive the world differently because the words they use are different and entail different emotions, perhaps, or perceptions within them. I was just going to say as well that、yeah. I imagine. That we would already have an instinct of this, even within our own languages. That you can use certain passive speech, or certainly in Korean, we have honorifics that might、uh, help、mm-hmm. soften the person we're we're speaking to. But the idea that certain languages might be even softer than others is particularly intriguing when we think of diplomatic talks. How did you go about researching this? Well,、um, we. Actually,、um, gave、uh, some sort of questionnaire or、um, a list of statements that had to do with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The first study gave, we gave statements that were conciliatory, or in other words, we presented conciliatory policies, and we did it、uh, in two different ways. Two, two conditions, two different groups of, of subjects were tested. The first condition, in the first condition, we presented the policies using nouns. For example, I'm for the division of Jerusalem, a highly emotional and、uh, <laughs> loaded subject here.、Mm-hmm. And and in the other condition, we presented it in the verb form. I am for dividing. Jerusalem in Hebrew, it's very distinct and very natural. Both forms are very natural, and these are very subtle differences. It's not even passive or active, although I will discuss that later. It's it's very very subtle. You would think that semantically, if they're the same, they should arouse the same attitudes, the same perceptions, and the same emotions, but but they didn't. That was the first study. So we already realized that. A noun has a salutary effect 
it's more calming, it's more, it reduced levels of anger. And in turn, this reduction of anger led to an increase in support of conciliatory policies, just by using the noun form. I was really interested in looking at how world leaders speak after hearing about your research, though. And, for example, thinking of President Trump, who gives us a lot of opportunities to read his tweets. Does it matter as well, do you think, even over the context of, say, a social media platform like that? I would say I would say so. I mean, if 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 we are constantly, uh, if the readers are constantly exposed to a certain form of language and rhetoric and style and linguistic cues and syntax, etc., then in the long run, um, I, I would assume that it has an impact. It, you know, it's very, it's very, it's not, a, it's not a conscious one, which is which is uh, also something that is. Uh, fascinating or needs to be needs to be addressed this is not a conscious choice and it's not a conscious uh, i think um it's not a cognitive uh, uh, activity that one is conscious of so that's also interesting it, it also i guess depends what nouns you're using for example if your noun is nuclear button or something along those lines then it's going to be inflammatory really, no matter how you use it. I suppose you're right. But, you know, you could say um, the same... I was going to say the same thing, but not. not. You could, you could mean... Two different people could, could relate to the same topic or issue by using different words which take us to different places. For example, you could compare terrorist versus freedom fighter. Right, they could be the same person. It depends. It depends on our perception of of, of this person. And and then the other thing with um, President Trump is that a lot of his nouns have you know, relatively innocent nouns have come to take on <laughs> a huge significance. Like for example, the noun wall. Uh, if you'd spoken about walls before um, President Trump's period in charge, I mean, yeah, you might say it's better sure. to build bridges than walls, but still, uh, <laughs> beyond the sort of metaphor, you, you would think it's a fairly innocent word, but now it's probably one of those highly charged nouns in U.S. politics. Exactly, absolutely. In this, in this sense, it's, um, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a reciprocal kind of relationship or, or, or process in which, on the one hand, the word impacts reality but it's also it also reflects it so it's, it's this dual process going in different directions if, if i'm making myself clear right on the one hand a word creates reality and on the other hand it reflects it um so sometimes the the example you gave was actually reflecting maybe a certain reality but now it's created something in 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 people's minds so it's it's a, it's a cycle. Indeed. With, with North Korea negotiations, which yes. clearly are uh, in our minds right now, we, we have um, already such charged language over nuclear issues, even just like the meaning of the word denuclearization is uh, heavily questioned and debated. Right. Uh, but right. then again, your research would still be very useful, wouldn't it? for negotiators when they sit across from one another in trying to avoid early on saying something that's going to completely derail the prospect of any sort of breakthrough? 
Exactly. I mean, if 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 these if salad if if words can actually reduce levels of anger, which is probably the most prominent emotion uh, within intractable conflicts or within a or in a in a in a negotiation setting, as you just mentioned, if if a word can reduce levels of anger, then it m- most certainly has an effect on on the continuation of, of the negotiation process. Yes, absolutely. And these, um, these terms for denuclearization, like we hear things like CVID, well, that was the original one. We're not even really allowed to talk about that anymore. Complete, verifiable, irreversible denuclearization. Um, and that's wow. been replaced by, by softer language. Do, do you think that also plays into your research at all, the way these... That they become acronyms, the way that they are used. Yes, yes. Well, I, I'm, I'm a great, I'm as, as you as you can probably understand, I'm a great believer in in the power of, of words and and in the effect that language has. You know, we, we all intuitively know that the way we say things will influence our listener, right? We we all know that. I mean, even in in personal interpersonal relations, we know that that we can use a certain word and it will either ignite the, the discussion or soften it. But um, our, what we're interested in or we showed is that it's also, it's also effective in an in-group, out-group relationship or within uh, groups in, within their own in-group. You know, you can have different subgroups and, and, and the words are highly effective, yes. Were there any other particular examples that you might raise for us? Because uh, President Trump and the North Korea situation, it, they, they do have some unique characteristics but that we could all learn from in our lives. Well, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to. I, I actually want to. I have a. I have a. I'm, I'm playing with the thought of, of looking at, of, of actually analyzing um, Trump's uh, tweets and so on, and then I'll have a much I'll have a much more intelligent answer for you because I haven't done that yet. But I, if I'm thinking of the words here um, in Israel, uh, we have words you know like occupation, um, which is clearly um, loaded, as you said, and emotionally charged, and. We're all constantly looking for other words in order to soften the, you know, the, the idea mm. of, of, of one, one side being an occupier. Um, these are very sensitive issues here. What about different languages then? Uh, you, you said some languages might be softer in the respect that they might change the way people think. Are there any particular examples well, that you suspect? I don't know point? if... Yeah, I, I don't know if one language is softer than the other, but I think that, for example, we know that when we use our native language, then we are more we are more prone to be more emotional um, because we are apparently personally involved. Right? It's a language that we have been born into, and we use all the time. And when we use a foreign language that is not ours or a second language in some countries, then 
we are less emotional because something about that language is distant to us. Again, not a conscious act or a conscious understanding. So I would say that in a negotiation setting between countries that are um, in conflict or between groups that are in conflict, it's also important to choose the language that is being used. Because if one is, is, is closer to one part than the other, to one party than the other, that could also have an effect. I was just um, thinking, though, as you were saying that a, an interpreter might consciously or otherwise soften the language anyway when, when they're translating from, for example, President Trump's American English to Chairman Kim Jong-un's North Korean Korean. That's true. That's... that's uh, on the one hand, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, could, it leaves room to soften the language, that's true. On the other hand, it can also cause what we call pragmatic failure, because if, if the translation is not accurate, then that could also lead to unfortunate results. Translation is a tricky business. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yes, um, maybe, you know, using a third language, like English, um, when I'm thinking of our conflict in which, you know, the Israelis, their language is Hebrew and, 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 and Palestinians, their language is, their native language is Arabic. And the negotiator is actually using a third language, which is English. On the one hand, it sounds neutral. On the other hand, the negotiator is not using a language that is native to any one of the parties in conflict. So that's also also makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dr. Idan, thank you so much for joining us today. It, uh, we'll have to reconnect with you when you've done that research on President Trump's tweets. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the Pleasure. time. And speaking of social media platforms and, and how what we say seems to be so important, in the next half hour, we're going to switch up our focus to politicians of YouTube, particularly in this country, we're seeing the platform being used more and more by those who are raising voices from both right and left of the political spectrum. And we'll have a good little chat about that and how that's uh, actually influencing political opinion in this country at a very sensitive time. It's starting to, to heat up anyway, not only because of all the uh, matters coming to a head on the inter-Korean front, but of course also as we near the process of uh, parliamentary elections here and then ultimately the next presidential election, President Moon, the pressure that he's coming under. Um, but uh, stay with us before we get there. We'll turn our attention to international news, both with our international news briefing and next, the BBC News headlines. <laughs> 